Welcome to episode 66 of Insects for Fun, the entomology podcast hosted by your not-so-local entomology sensei. This week, we're learning about a really unique family of beetles that may or may not make music. The violin beetle is a really unique-looking ground beetle in the family Carabidae, which is a really large and diverse family of ground beetles. But today's violin beetle belongs to a specific genus called Marmalisi, which is really interesting because this name can be found in Greek mythology as a female phantom or ghostly specter. The fact these beetles have this name actually makes them even more cool in my opinion, because now I'm picturing them as ghoulish violins that just kind of make their way through the forest. So the name violin beetle is most associated with one species in particular called Marmalisi phileotis. But there are seven species of violin-shaped beetles in the female phantom genus. What's also unique is that these beetles can only be found in the Southeast Asian countries like Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, and Papua New Guinea. But every species can be found in Indonesia. I don't think anyone would really even know about their existence in the Western world unless they played Animal Crossing or are an insect enthusiast themselves. I've never actually seen a live one in real life, but I've definitely seen museum specimens. So let's get into what they look like. Violin beetles are pretty flat, but they have large elytra which makes the abdomen look like the body of a violin when compared to its thorax and long thin head. Also, they have something called a pronotum, which is an entomology term for an armor-like extension on an insect's upper thorax. The overall size of these beetles ranges from 6 centimeters to 10 centimeters, or 2.5 to 4 inches, and they are mostly brown or black, with the elytra being translucent. Violin beetles have complete metamorphosis, just like all beetles, and their larvae like to hide in between bracket fungi. If you've ever seen large flat mushrooms growing out of trees, these are the bracket fungi, and they're also called polypores because they have pores on the underside of their mushroom bodies. The larvae are predatory and feed on larvae of other insects which they find scavenging through the mushrooms and tree bark. Also, if you're curious, the larvae of these beetles do not look very different from other beetle larvae. They're white with a brown head, and they look very grubby. They stay in this stage feeding on other insects for about eight to nine months. This tends to be the case for beetles, which is why keeping beetle larvae can be a bit of a thankless job, especially when you really can't interact with them. The larvae of violin beetles make pupae after they've grown big enough and then stay in their pupal stage for two to two and a half months. The adults are active from August to November and lay their eggs within the polypore mushrooms as I mentioned earlier. So we know what the larvae eat, but what do the adults feed on? Turns out they feed on the same stuff. Adults are also scavengers, feeding on the larvae of other insects and are primarily active at dusk into the night. The beetles are actually eaten by birds and bats, but both the larvae and adults have something up their sleeve. Violin beetles can secrete butyric acid, which is a colorless liquid that has a very pungent smell. Here's a fun fact, butyric acid is used for carp fishing sometimes because of how strong the smell is, and it has been used in the creation of stink bombs as well. 
But these beetles don't just rely on a terrible smelling acid to protect themselves, because ideally they don't want to be seen in the first place. Larvae can hide pretty easily. But what about those large, clunky-looking adults? Turns out they can hide under rubble, soil, and mushrooms pretty well, thanks to how flat they are. And they can also hide in trees. Unfortunately, violin beetles don't make any songs as a form of defense or a form of communication. And the name really does purely come from how they look. They're actually sometimes called banjo beetles as well. And I'm sure there are a number of local names given to them where they originate. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, it has been incredibly difficult to find information on this beetle. Some of you might not know because I keep things short, but it seriously takes me hours of research and fact-checking for every episode I drop, and more time to condense it down into digestible content. Which is again why I'm super appreciative to the people who show their support. Now, fortunately, I came across a research article talking about the woes of people not paying attention to the violin beetle for decades. And I want to share a fun story provided by the writer who describes his experience of finally finding them in the rainforest of Perak, Malaysia. It was a bright day with a clear sky, yet under the dense canopy of trees, no sunray filtered through the foliage. And down here, it was very damp and gloomy all around us. After a while, I noticed the stem of a huge tree trunk that had fallen right across the perpendicular banks of the gully, so as to form a natural bridge. It was a big, moss-covered trunk, obviously very ancient, measuring three feet across. The underside of the stem was almost two feet overhead, so that I could easily pass under it. But what attracted my attention, inciting to a brief inspection, were some bracket funguses of the polyparacea. They were colored blackish-brown on either surface, the species having been identified later as Fomes melanoporus. There were three of these funguses of different size, two in close proximity to each other and a third much smaller about two feet further away. When I came near and looked up to the biggest specimen, I suddenly saw a fascinating picture. Facing various directions, their roundish contours hardly discernible in the dim light, I counted five examples of marmalice. Here they were at last, the violins. As soon as I realized that when standing on tiptoe, the objects could come within reach of an outstretched hand, I freed myself from bags and other obstacles and reached out to pick the first beetle by hand. A gesture which I at once regretted. For all of a sudden, I felt as if severely stung in the right eye, by which I was taken aback for quite some moments. This is what had happened. On being disturbed, one of the marmalice had emitted a fine spray of some liquid, like an atomizer, and this was volleyed right into my face. As luck would have it, my spectacles served as a shield, but obviously had failed to protect my right eye sufficiently. The fluid had a strong scent, resembling a mixture of nitric acid and ammonia. The instantaneous result of this slightly dramatic incident was a choke followed by a coughing fit. But this was soon over, and after a few hours, the burning pain also had almost disappeared, although the eye remained sensitive for several weeks. I love old Indiana Jones-style articles people used to write. And yes, this is very old because, again, no one seems to care about the violin beetles. He also writes to say that violin beetles are capable of flying 
but they can't take off from the ground and have to climb a tree first. They can cover great distances and also glide like a flying squirrel when on their descent. It seems like they only really do this to relocate for food though and spend the majority of their time in hiding. And that wraps up this week's episode. If you enjoy the podcast, please make sure to rate and review because that really does boost the show in rankings and visibility. We're actually in the top 100 for nature in Australia, or at least was, and similarly in the United Kingdom recently as well. If you would like to further support the show and get access to bonus content like vlogs, a side series, early access to main episodes, etc., you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash insects for fun. Links to everything, including my email and other socials like Instagram and Facebook are available in the show notes. And please, if you have something you want to hear about, let me know. Until then, you'll hear from me again next week.